Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. We're here with another uh, guest host, Marissa Duncan, and she'll get into a little bit of her background. Uh, but she comes from us in the background of being a systems engineer who went and did her MBA and is now an entrepreneur. So we'll, we'll dive into each one of those topics uh, later on. But first, we'll get to know her a little bit more, uh, what she was like as, as a kid and maybe how that influenced some of her, her decisions and her journey in, in the process. So uh, thanks, Marissa, for joining. And if you don't mind kind of giving us a little bit of a background and overview of, of yourself and, and maybe start with like, what were you like as a kid? Yeah, thanks, Luki, for having me on here. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I guess I'll start with where I who I am, where I'm currently, <laughs> and then uh, go and answer about um, how I was as a kid. So currently, I am a technical virtual assistant, and I have my own business where I help entrepreneurs with the technical parts of their business that they just don't want to deal with. Um, and so as a kid. I have always been super curious. I've always wanted to delve into anything new. Um, and I remember like when I was 10 learning about HTML and I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just dive right in uh, writing that Hello World program. And um, I was also super into music or, and I was super into, um, like little craft kits and DIY projects. So anything I could learn, I would try to. So you're a bit and of a, a techie and then also on the creative side. So it looks like it, it's kind of a, a mixed bag there where, uh, or is it really just learning anything? Like if someone showed you a new kind of shiny object, you're like, ooh, let me figure that out. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Um, I like to try things out. And then, I mean, I have kept some of the things like I've sung all my life. Um, and I like to deepen that scale. So I think it's definitely a balance of shiny object and, <laughs> you know, focus in on something and, and get good at it. Cool. And, and, and what were some of the influences you had growing up? So, so maybe uh, parents, brothers and sisters or something, because you ended up uh, in a degree in, in uh, system design engineering, right, which uh, uh, is, well, I mean, pretty competitive <laughs> and tough to get into. Uh, so that must have mean that you were pretty good as, as, as a student uh, in there because you need pretty high grades to get into something like that. Uh, but did that come from or the interest in engineering? Did that come from family or is that just like you tinkering about or uh, I don't know, TV and, and MacGyver or something? I don't know, I'm making stuff up. But where, where did, did that the, uh, influence come from? Yeah, it's a good question. So I grew up in Waterloo and they Waterloo engineering program has very good outreach programs. So I remember mm. going to their summer camps as a kid. Um, I remember going to women in engineering events um, when I was in middle school. And so that's kind of where I learned what an engineer was, um, that they would solve problems and that they use math and science, which I was good at in school um, to solve problems. So that's kind of the initial um, reason. Um, I've also was interested in um, international development as a kid. I okay. heard about Free the Children and Craig Kilberger when I was around the age that he started that organization. And I thought that was incredible how he just learned about a problem and, and had to go find that solution. And so 
I thought that engineering would be a good way to use the skills that I was good at in school and apply it to big world problems. And so that was my um, initial drive for engineering. I would also say that my dad is um, in physics and electronics. So I had that like techie background as well. Cool. So you're sort of, well, not exactly following your father's footsteps, but because of all the influences of the environment, uh, Waterloo Region, the universe, uh, the university uh, had those programs. Um, and and tell, tell us more about the uh, kind of international development. Why didn't that become kind of the predominant thing that you wanted to go to? And how did like uh, engineering kind of triumph over that in terms of a, um, a calling or, or a choice? Yeah, so I trying to think I definitely considered international development programs as an option in university um I just didn't have a clear direction of where I wanted to see myself in international development and I'd also heard about organizations like engineers without borders Mm. um as an opportunity for engineers to get involved in that so I figured engineering would have more opportunities available and so at that point when I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I wanted to leave as many doors open as possible. Oh, cool. So, so as you're kind of in that uh, realm, you, you, you obviously pick Waterloo because they <laughs> had a good outreach program. Um, or were there other, other areas that you were considering as well? And, and why kind of systems design um, versus all the other types of, of engineering that were out there? Yeah, so I narrowed in on systems design pretty quickly. I like to think big picture. I like to see how different, seemingly different areas can be connected together. And in systems design, like prides itself on being interdisciplinary in that way. And and, um, it's also very human focused engineering. Um, So we talk about like human factors in engineering. And so how can we design something um, that takes into account the psychology of the people using it. So when you think about like a plane and all the different controls that a pilot has, um, there's in any certain plane crashes, some plane crashes aren't actually because of a technology failure necessarily, but it's actually because of a human error. And so how can we like minimize that by designing that interface properly um, so that the pilot can um, safely fly the plane. And so I think there are um, those kind of psychology factors and engineering was also a drive for me. Cool. And if uh, folks listening were interested in in a uh, career in that area or contemplating, like what are some of the things that they could be asking themselves or what are the things that you knew about yourself that say, you know what, this leans me more to to that side, right? So there's obviously uh, the fact that, well, engineering gives you more options like maybe that's true maybe that's not but if, if it's more like hey if you, if you really have an interest in this then uh system design uh engineering would be really uh really your uh, cup of tea are there any questions that that, that you would suggest for folks to say yeah these are a couple things that, that would help you guide yourself to that that path yeah i think thinking about people in my class, it's a lot of the people when they first entered systems, it was like, well, I didn't have a specific drive towards just computer technology, or I didn't have a specific drive just towards mechanical systems. And so I guess we, we are the kind of people who have a lot of diverse interests and um, would consider ourselves, I guess, well-rounded and um, 
I know that sometimes comes with a little bit of uncertainty and um, fear of becoming kind of a generalist with no specific skills. But I do know lots of people have found um, their place in different industries from my class and from previous classes. And I think um, through the co-op program, especially, you kind of figure that out um, through the jobs that you have about what you want to do. So I guess for anyone thinking about um, systems design engineering, um, if you're if you know you want to solve problems with um, technology or um, with math and science in any form, but you're not specifically drawn to a special like a specialist type of engineering, then I would suggest that as an option for you. Cool. cool. So food for thought for folks. So so you end up doing that uh, systems design engineering um, de- degree. Hopefully, had a bunch of co-ops in there, and then eventually uh, you decide to take your MBA and, and go from kind of technical to, uh, to to business. So can you walk us through a little bit of uh, that journey? And well, there's probably a whole bunch of steps along the way, <laughs> but just walking us through kind of uh, that, that uh, the MBA part of it. Yes, the MBA part of it. Um, I'll start with um, my co-ops. So the co-ops really helped shape my interests and in, I helped figure out what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I think figuring out what you don't want is just as important. Um, And when I was in co-op, what I really enjoyed doing was when I got to be at the interface of people in technology rather than just deep in the weeds with technology. And so any kind of job where I got to interact more with people than just be potentially just coding or just uh, working on a technical system, I found much more engaging for me. And when I thought about kinds of jobs that would do that, I'm thinking more so the, the hybrid jobs like product management where you deal with um, the business side of things as well as um, working with um, technical specialists. So I did my last co-op position in product management at a technical startup, uh, at a tech startup. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I really loved that position. Um, I know that some product managers do have their MBAs and I had an opportunity to do um, MBA um, when the pandemic hit, I, uh, yeah. my plans for the next year were canceled. And so I thought about <laughs> what I wanted to do in that next year um, and thought that this would be a good option to do, especially while the world was in a crazy time. So, <laughs> And did this MBA have uh, require any work experience beforehand or, or is this one of the MBAs where uh, then, because I, I hear co-op and then straight to MBA, but my understanding is most MBAs require like, two years of work experience or something like that. Is that fair for yours or, or Yeah, not? that is true. So I went to Laurier okay. and they have two different types. Uh, they have the full-time program without co-op, which requires two years okay. of experience and then also the co-op program. So you don't need the two years experience. However, I actually did have just exactly two years work experience through my co-ops. So I was in the full-time gotcha. one-year program. Yeah. Gotcha. So they counted the co-ops as, as work experience. Exactly. It doesn't mean you had to graduate and, and, and have work experience. Um, the work terms have counted. So uh, that makes sense. So, so you're uh, humming along, you, you uh, think product management's a fit, uh, you take your MBA, and, and then what? <laughs> yeah, so actually, before I started my MBA, uh, during the, okay. the summer of 2020, <laughs> I was, um, I guess, contemplating the entrepreneur route. I mean, I'd always been contemplating that as an option, but I just never thought 
I had like the next big idea. Like I always thought entrepreneurship had to be like, especially at Waterloo, they promote the engineers and, and um, other entrepreneurs yeah. who have this, you know, million dollar, billion dollar idea and then build a company, get a lot of venture funding. And I always thought like, oh, that might not be me. Like I don't have the next big thing. Um, I don't necessarily want that pressure either to have that much funding and be a CEO of a big corporation. I, I never really thought that would be what I wanted, but I started to learn about other entrepreneurs who have more so a lifestyle business where they, you know, provide enough to, to live comfortably um, and have a pretty, a decent work-life balance. Um, and so I thought maybe that's something I can get into. And how can I do that in the middle of a pandemic when I don't want to be doing in-person things. So I found the world of virtual assistants and there's a really big community out there of people who um, serve other businesses through the skills that they already have. Um, and so I know I had skills in the technical realm that some people just who are not technical people really don't want to deal with those things. Um, and so I was able to leverage those skills and um, gain some clients over the summer. And so I was trying to do that at the same time as doing my full-time MBA and it was a little bit hectic. Um, so I guess at the beginning of uh, 2021, um, I made the decision to go all in with something. And so I decided to take a pause on my MBA and to go all in with my business. Cool. And as a kid, did you have kind of some of those entrepreneurial tendencies in terms of like wanting to start something up or did it really kind of hit? Because, yeah, with a place like like Waterloo, where they have like the incubators there and a lot of the tech startups and uh, all that, there can be more like, hey, I should do that, too. Versus, you know what, as a kid growing up, you were selling, I don't know, bubble gum in the schoolyard or like stickers and <laughs> this and that. Uh, did you have any of that uh, growing up as a kid or? I'm trying to think. I don't think I had any of the typical like great lemonade stands or anything like that. I did yeah. a lot of like fundraising for charity and like started um, like events and stuff like that. I would love to plan events and um, start something new. So I would like start a musical event that became a tradition at my high school. And so there's just these things where I wanted to start stuff and be the first person to to try this and so maybe not as much the money focused but if there was I guess money involved it would usually be a, a fundraiser of some sort like bake sales but yeah not the typical entrepreneurial cool. child cool so uh you've gone through your, your journey of uh kind of uh, systems engineering product management MBA and now kind of all in on the entrepreneurship side what what does uh some of the futures uh hold for you now you're still young and you still got a lot of runway to go through but if you uh could kind of start planning things out um so far so good on the on the entrepreneurship side or is it still going to be a lifestyle business are you finding it hey you know what I could be a unicorn and, and whatever or are there other things that you're kind of uh um incubating along the way yeah I think the goal with my business right now is to learn from other small business owners and I mean, in working in my co-ops um, in software companies, SaaS companies that work with like business owners and, and small businesses, I, I could see myself um, continuing along this path and really understanding um, a specific segment of small business owners and then potentially creating solutions, whatever, whether that be service-based or product-based um, or software product-based, right? So 
I think I'm just kind of along for the ride and strategically making sure that I, I learn and implement what I'm learning into the next step of my business. Cool. So I think uh, that, that that's great information and we'd love to pick your brain further on kind of those, those major areas. So, so uh, the folks that are curious about uh, systems design and engineering, product management, MBA, and then definitely on the entrepreneurship side and uh, kind of the learnings along the way, because it would be interesting to kind of uh, hear about your, your progress and evolution, if you're willing to share some of that uh, as we go through the process. But I think that, that that's great. Would you have any kind of general swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier, where if you could find uh, Marissa, I don't know, maybe pre-university uh, or maybe in university or just graduate or MBA, like a couple of those typical big milestones and 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 if you could... I don't know, slip her a note on a, on a post-it or something, just something small and quick that, that, that hey, I wish someone had taught me that, uh, or are there any kind, of, any kind of key defining moments where uh, having learned this, then this has kind of set me off on, on a different path, but just kind of generally, and then um, hopefully that'll set us up for some, some future conversations to go into in depth uh, a little bit more later on. Yeah, I would definitely tell her to think more about what you actually want. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to do certain things um, <laughs> that you get from culture or um, your friends or your family or even media. Um, and so if you don't necessarily know what you want, maybe take a step um, in, look, take a step inward and think about it, um, reflect on it, write about it. Um, I know I just did that recently because um, Luki suggested doing like an <laughs> I want exercise where you write down, you know, 30 times what you want. And I hadn't realized until that moment, I was like, oh, I have all these things that I want, but they're not necessarily lining up with what I'm currently doing. Or So that really helped me kind of flush out what, it, what, is, what do I want versus what do I think I want? Because this is what other people are telling me I want. Yeah, I, I find that a very useful exercise. And, and uh, a lot of folks or the, the students are like, nah, I'm too young. I don't even <laughs> know why I'm in, in, in this uh, program or whatever. But I think that's the best time for you to do it. Because are you really going to spend four or five years of your career just doing it for the sake of it? <laughs> or yeah. would you want to do it a little bit more purposefully, right? And yeah. if, if you've already in, invested and committed the time uh, to do it, doesn't mean you can't change it, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole kind of some cost fallacy <laughs> where uh, for most folks are going to be working kind of like 40 years of their careers, right? And uh, if, if not uh, longer, um, and uh, that's a pretty big commitment uh, to do on uh, what you did uh, for uh, and made a decision when you were what, 16, 17? <laughs> How much did we really know? So that's a great exercise. Are there other, other interesting things? And obviously we can get into more of them later, but are there others that uh, you, you'd want to make sure that uh, little Marissa knows? Yeah, go, kind of going along with that. Once you know what you want, then any experience um, that you do, for example, through engineering, um, I, I didn't really know what I wanted. And so I wasn't taking full advantage of all of the opportunities. I mean, I learned to do that by the end of my degree, but there, there was a point in the middle where I was just, you know, surviving engineering and not learning as much as I could have. So if you really know what you want, you can really take those learning experiences, but also let those learning experiences maybe shape what you want, because that does change. 
That's perfect. So I think that's a few words of wisdom for uh, younger folks who are kind of in the similar boat as yourself, making decisions um, from the technical side, moving to business, maybe entrepreneurship. Um, so some considerations there. And yeah, we'd love to have you back for other episodes that uh, dive a little bit more deeper in any of those topics. So thanks, Marissa, for joining us. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.